Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Storytellers Podcast. This is Marsha Hoffines, your host, and I am here today with Angela Goodman, who is a serial entrepreneur, one of the warmest, kindest, sweetest souls uh, that has been placed in my path um, in the past three years sort of a little bit of my savior during the COVID years. And I'm really excited for you guys to get to meet her and know her. And we are going to be doing a series podcast um, all around money and women. And we'll see what else comes up along the way. So grab your coffee, grab your tea, put your AirPods in and let's get started. Hello, Angela. Thanks for joining me today. Hello, Marsha. That was so nice of you to say all those things. <laughs> Listen, if I can do one thing in life for people, I'll give them a good intro. <laughs> oh, well, hey, thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. I think it's like one of the best things in the world is to have someone else uh do an intro for you. And when it like hits you, it's just like, ah, oh, that feels so good. Right. Yeah, it does. I'm going to take you. If I go on the road, I'm going to take you with me. Yeah. I'll be your, <laughs> I'll be your MC. You got it. You got it. Um, yeah. So thanks again for agreeing to have these conversations with me and, you know, Angela and I kind of are cut from the same cloth in that, um, we know what we want to share with the world and we allow for space, um, so that, whatever needs to come up is going to come up. And the topic at hand is about money and women. And part of the reason that I um, really, you know, when you listen to the introduction of this episode, you hear me say that she was sort of my savior over the past several years, like really one of the people who with a um, soft front and strong back kind of helped me get my my heart wrapped around my money, which was a huge, um, a huge thing for me. And I know it is for a lot of women. And it's also like one of the, uh, if I may say, like, outwardly less sexy things to talk about, and it can cause a lot of like disturbances and struggles. And I also think we sometimes go about talking about money the wrong way. And um she's just a powerhouse in helping people get their, you know, shit together. When it comes to this, she helps all sorts of men and women, business owners, entrepreneurs, you name it. Um, she uses something called the profit first methodology. I'm sure we will touch on that. And <clears throat> really just, I'm excited for us to talk through how you got here, why the, mission behind it and everything. And hopefully we can, um, in two or three episodes, really get into it together and help whoever listens, whoever tunes in. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll tell you, you know, Marsha, um, I'm grateful that you view my conversations about money that way. I find it interesting that most people do have a hard time talking about and being open and transparent with where they are financially. Um, I was one of those people, uh, you know, for many years, um, for many years, I struggled on my own front to constantly kind of not really have habits of not spending, but then figuring out how to find money somewhere and sort of move it around to kind of to kind of shell game things. And, um, 
you know, I did that myself for a long time and I didn't talk about it. And there's so much that I never learned about your financial health and relationship to yourself. Mm -hmm. And um, so in my own story, uh, that has always been prevalent. And so I feel like when I meet people who are very guarded about having conversations about their financials, which is most people, um, especially women, when I, when I find that to be the case, I try to handle it in a, in more of a soft nature, although I am a very tough person, I'm going to call you out on your stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's part of what, uh, makes what you do and how you do it so attractive. Right. And, knowing it's not going to be for everybody. Cause I, I mean, I'll say it. I was, I was actually, um, you know, my industry is totally different than your industry, but I was, uh, in a private yoga session the other day. And I said, look, listen, I'm not going to just be your cheerleader here. I'm going to call you out on your ship, but then guess what? At the end of the session, I'm going to give you a big hug and I'm going to congratulate you for what you just did. Because if we are always just in that, um, that space of, oh, it's okay. And kind of coddling someone along, then we allow them to stay. And the word that comes to mind listening to you talk about this is we allow people to stay in shame. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think the other piece of the puzzle too, is, is that nowadays, especially um, in the society that we live in, everyone's trying to be perfect. Everybody mm. wants to have the perfect picture the perfect life, the perfect family the perfect financials, the perfect job, the, all of the things they want everything to appear that way. Well, you know what? We don't just arrive here. Mm -hmm. We have to learn things along the way. You know, we learn our life lessons. We learn we learn about the basics of life. Um, and then we have a journey where we learn about ourselves and, and the things that we want to accomplish. And so, so many people are like immediately just want to be perfect at everything. But it's like, no, you're not going to be. You know, we have a journey. We all have to learn. So. Yeah. Speaking of the journey, you mentioned... Um something earlier and I love the way you phrase it and I'm not going to get it exactly right, but you talked about um, money being this relationship, the health of your money being this like relationship to yourself. Talk, talk to us a little bit about that. So it's interesting in, in my own story. Um, I never really learned about financials from my parents. They just, mm -hmm. they just always had food on the table and they just always had a job and they always, earned money and it was never something that was kind of discussed, you know, it, it was just accepted that that's how things were. And then when I was in my early years, my parents actually got divorced and then life kind of shifted. You know, my mom became a single mom. She had uh, to work a full-time job. So she wasn't home. She didn't. So she shifted roles. Right. And, and then became um, the person who had to handle the financials, but yet still there was never a discussion about it. Right. Um, and so one of the things that I that I find, especially uh, with women, is that we do learn all of this from our environment. We learn it from our upbringing, um, and we don't even realize that the omission of learning it is still learning something. And so one of the challenges in my own life that I've had is discipline around money and discipline around health. And I had a lot of, um, you know, with with the divorce of my parents and with the changes that happened in my life, I had a lot of, um, did I cause that? Was I responsible for that? You know, a lot of kids go through that in broken homes. And because I had a lot of that, I didn't have a lot of discipline around my own heart. You know, I, I garnered my worth from external sources and not my own self. And because I did that, I also 
spent money because it made me feel good or mm-hmm. I eat the wrong foods because it made me feel good or whatever it was I could do to kind of cope and self-soothe. That's what I did. And so those are the habits I learned around money and food. And oftentimes people don't even realize that they tie out that all of that, that's where it comes from. Mm. Yeah. Wow. You just kind of got me in like all sorts of parts of my <laughs> like visceral experience. Like I'm having a real somatic experience right now because one of the things that I have learned about money is um, money and relationships are often your particular love relationships. There's a lot of similarities there. And I think that's more of a, um, I think probably more people will maybe recognize that one. I have not um, really thought about it from this perspective though. You just illuminated my. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting because I, for a long time I didn't realize it either. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and and again, it does become this if you don't learn how to soothe your your spirit mm-hmm. on your own, you find external ways to do it, and so a lot of people do it through spending because it makes them feel good. They get those dopamine hits, right? It triggers their brain. Oh, I spent money. I bought something I wanted. Oh, I spent money. I have something somebody else doesn't have. It makes them feel good. They get those dopamine hits and our, and our brains are wired to search for that. Mm -hmm. And because our brains are wired to search for that, guess what? If you're down and you're not feeling right, you're not feeling good about yourself. What are you going to do? I'm going to go for that dopamine hit. Is it an Oreo cookie or is it a 20, 20, you know, dollar, pair of shoes that would probably not give me a dopamine hit <laughs> <laughs> you don't know it depends on the shoes. pair of shoes <laughs> i was gonna say you know but hey listen sometimes those 20 dollar pair of shoes are the find and you're like i mean yeah look at what i just did they yeah. might last five minutes but yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that's a really um you know, I, I'm going to tie this to, I just led a vision boarding exercise this past weekend and I, I, I there's relevance to this, right? Because what happens a lot of times for people, um, I think, is because we haven't learned to have a healthy relationship with money, um, we also maybe don't have the healthiest relationship to self. Um, we're looking at all of the things on the outside of us to self-soothe. A lot of times people's vision boards come out as like a hot mess, right? Mm-hmm. Um, with numbers and thoughts and imagery of probably somebody else's vision for them and or what the world is telling them that they should desire, want, and have, right? And because we are, like you noted before, in this society right now of a like, everything's edited. Um, we have fancy photo shoots so we can post on Instagram or wherever we need to do the things and listen, I do it too. So, you know, I'm, I'm (laughs) call. I'm not, I'm not. And more and more you'll find most of my pictures are selfies and shit like that, because I, because the more real we can be, the more we can give permission to be real. So, um, what was interesting to me was, um, there's, was this one woman in the, um, vision boarding exercise who is like way into like they they were all like oh she's our Gucci girl and like she just was she owned it and I and I asked her I said where does this come from she goes oh this has deep purpose for me okay because this has really deep significant and they everyone in the room like knew it so there's something in her that she just loves it 
but it isn't just the surface thing. It's not this, oh, I want to buy Gucci just to prove I can buy Gucci. It has this deep, like there's deep, um, I always tell people like, go the next layer. Like, why are you putting that? There's some root things that it's, it's really, um, fulfilling to her. So she, so she doesn't show and, and she doesn't show up going, Oh, I'm the, I'm the Gucci girl. She just is. And you can see, it's just part of her fabric. It's part of her. So why this is important is because there has been some work there that she's done. That's like this deep connection to herself. So she doesn't just go get the Gucci just to, you know, right. Right. A thing. There's like this inner like value she can actually feel value yeah yeah that's more purposeful more deep rooted I'm having a hard time finding the words but the other interesting thing on the other side of the story on this topic was um we were talking about like the numbers that you're putting on your are they really yours like so this one woman had like a million dollars she wanted to have a million dollar business right Mm -hmm. And the more we went through the exercise, she's like, God, maybe I really don't want that million dollar business. And it was interesting because it wasn't until after the event and everybody was gone. She said, she, she goes, you know, I was just at a conference where a woman stood on stage and she talked about getting her boutique to a, a million dollar business and the stress it's caused her. She's lost a lot of like things in her life because this now has taken over mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so there's this huge, there can be this huge disconnect for us with this external want and what the insides really need. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I totally agree with that. I was actually going to um, say something to that effect earlier. It, the thing is, is that in most cases we aren't connected to what, who we are yeah. and, and we see things around us or we've been provided things by our family or our environment, our loved ones, our friends that we think we want it and then we get it, we have it, we have the money for it, we get it, we have it. And the next thing you know, it's like, oh, wait a minute, I didn't find happiness there. I thought I was going to find happiness there. When I got the money, when I got the things, when I got the stuff, I thought I was going to feel happy. And and so I do feel like there's a big disconnect with the financial wants, desires and goals and what actually is going to bring you true happiness and satisfaction in your life and peace. Yeah. Yeah. What do you, what do you see um, also along the line? Well, what do you see along the lines of um, people working hard to not create the patterns of their parents? You know, it's funny. I feel like it's a dichotomy because there are some people who are so driven in that direction. They're like, they were really impacted, really affected, really struck by what mm-hmm. happened to them in their in their childhood. And then there's other people who don't even see what happened to them in their childhood and they're recreating it and they don't even realize they're recreating. So um, there's definitely a dichotomy of those two things. Um, and I think it's all about whether or not people really connected emotionally with what happened to them or if their coping me- mechanism was to completely shun those thoughts and lock them away. Yeah, that's really interesting. The psychology behind this is fascinating, right? Because yeah. you yeah. you you go one or two ways. And then you I also find, <laughs> and this is in my own experience um, and with some of my family members, to be honest with you, where 
they focus so hard on not being my parents that they became them. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, I know for me, like, I'll share just a little bit my own personal journey. I We didn't grow up with much. My dad, we actually didn't grow up with a lot. <laughs> and terrible money, didn't know anything about it. Like, had none. That's all I knew was mm-hmm. there was never any. And people who had it were terrible. Um, it's funny because I don't really think that played a role in my mind. I, so I was a hard worker. I'll put it to you this way. Like I got a job when I was like 14, 15 years old, I worked and I had my own money. I put myself through college. I worked through college, um, got a job right out of college, just went right for it. And I was very successful at a very young age. And even once I had the money, I then turned into the bad person. Okay. Parents eyes. Right. I became like, like your sister, she's not helping. It was this, it was Mm -hmm. this interesting moment. My parents also, what I did know was they had gone through bankruptcy a couple of different times um, in my time with them. And it was something that I was like, I had so much shame around that, that I was like, I will never let that happen to me. And guess what? We did. We had to go through bankruptcy in 2008, 2009. We lost our businesses and what do you do, right? It's what you do yeah. to protect yeah. yourself. Honestly, yeah. that's yeah the thing that's interesting about bankruptcy. And maybe we can talk about this at some point too, is like, there really isn't shame behind that. It happens for a variety of different reasons. Yes. It's not necessarily yes. because we did anything wrong. Could we have done better? Sure. But then I really, that was the moment for me that a lot of my issues with money became started, like really, really started. Um, I started letting people tell me what I was worth. I started believing what I was worth because in my mind, I wasn't any better than my parents. Right. Look at what I had just done. I had built all this wealth, my husband and I, and then I was so careless that we lost it. Yeah. Which isn't the case at all. And I know you've worked through all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just, just sharing that side of it. Cause I don't, you know, somebody out there might be able to relate Relate or recognize and um so what do you do with people how do you get them there to understanding their patterns and how do you get people to start opening up to you to anchor them in so you can walk them through this brilliant process that probably you know it's it's funny um I often share my my own story which Mm -hmm. um you know not very not very different than yours um I have not gone through a bankruptcy process only because the government bailed me out. <laughs> right. So right. I ended up getting right. a different form of that. Right. right. You know, it's uh so I spent a lot of years working in a corporate livelihood and I was, you know, making a six figure income and I had all the things and I had a nice house and I had all the stuff and, and still wasn't happy. Um, decided that I was, I could do more for myself. And so decided to go into business for myself. And so I bought into a restaurant franchise. I quit my nice salary thinking I'd be able to like own the world, right? I was going to have four locations in two years and I was going to do all the things and um, boy, I was wrong. Um, but at either rate, and the the very first location, I couldn't pay myself for the first two years. You know, we were losing money. We didn't have sales. Um, we had to sell 
we didn't have, well, we had to, we had to sell our house that we had when I had my, my good job, my good job. I put that in quotes. Um, so we had to sell our house, move to a smaller house, um, so that we could afford the mortgage payment. My husband worked and I <clears throat> didn't pay myself at, at the job I was doing at the restaurant. And I was there a hundred hours a week between the bookkeeping, the marketing, the payroll, the, all the things and running the restaurant. And during that time we struggled for sales. And so we were losing money. So in the first two years that we were open, we actually lost $650,000 in mm. cash and in our money and our assets, my retirement savings, all, all the things. And, um, you know, I think the way that I, I think the way that, that I can help others is by sharing that and then talking about what I did to come back from that. Um, and there is no shame in that, just like there's no shame in your story. There's mm -hmm. no shame in anyone who, um, has had difficulties with money. Some, some of us just do, and mm -hmm. it's what you do with it when it happens. Um, and so I share my story. And that's usually, and then people can identify and are like, geez, well, maybe I didn't lose that much money, but maybe I'm not performing as well as I thought. So I can kind of relate. She's not going to judge me <laughs> for not having some great bank account or not being prepared or not having the money or, or any of those things. Yeah. You just said something that like the judgment, right? Yeah. Oftentimes, um, when you, <clears throat> I say you, this is the Royal you, um, and I'm kind of speaking for myself. A lot of times when you start working with, <clears throat> excuse me, accountants or financial planners, or sometimes they speak to you in such a way that you're like, can you break it down and go a little slower for me? Because I don't know what you're talking about. And it feels extremely critical. Yeah. Why'd you do this? What is this for? And you're all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, did I do something wrong? Like it, it, it really <laughs> like is an interesting, um, it's such an interesting moment because I really do believe that we all carry this, even if we don't externally have issues with money. And what I mean by ex externally is our bank accounts are in order. There's, there's probably shame around it somewhere that hasn't been addressed, yeah. which is why that, you know, Money cannot buy you happiness unless you are already a happy person mm -hmm. and you that understand your relationship with money. Yep, that is true. And and I will say that um, one of my favorite reads is a happy pocket full of money that's behind me. And it's interesting because the book itself is not well titled for what it actually is, but it talks about the fact that you are your own wealth. And that's how you generate wealth. And yes, it becomes this external form of currency that gets utilized. But it, but at the at the end of the day, those who typically are wealthy are the ones who have the most amount of wealth inside them. Mm. Um, and from that perspective, it's not only is it become currency wealth, but it is also just value and love for yourself and understanding of who you are as a human being. Um, and I absolutely just love the connection there because most people are not looking at it in that way. Correct. Yeah. There's this big um, misunderstanding that money is energy and we're energetic beings and we have our own economy around that. And if we're not full and abundant and wealthy on the mm -hmm. inside, then nothing on the outside is ever going to satisfy us. 
That's correct. That is it, correct. It will never satisfy us. So you you had a journey of not really learning about money or ha- or good health habits. Mm-hmm. What was the moment for you where you realized it all needed to change? And what did you do? You know, it's funny. Um, really, COVID has a big, been a big impactor for most people in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, we had, you know, I went through the first two years of owning the restaurant and losing that large sum of money. Um, but we were still doing well. You know, if you, if you, came to the restaurant on a Saturday or Sunday, there was a line out the door, people waiting to get inside. Um, the weekday sales were not the same as the weekends, but we appeared outwardly successful. You know, people thought that from that perspective that we must be killing it because we always had to wait and the food was really good. Um, and so in year three, we actually made money. You know, I I tried to grow sales. I got our catering business up. We we worked together well as a team to make sure that we were serving the 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 guests well. And so in 2019, we made money. We didn't make a lot. Made a little bit. Made I don't know twenty thousand dollars, and um, that we actually profited. And it was profit on paper. It wasn't profit in the bank account, which I'm sure in one of these episodes we'll get to. <laughs> but uh, but at either rate, you know, we did we did profit on paper twenty thousand dollars, and and that was at the very end of 2019. And because we were doing so well with the catering business, I reinvested um, cash back into the business to expand it. I needed a larger kitchen. We needed more lay down area. My plan was massive trajectory in that. And we did the project. We completed everything. And then all of a sudden on the news, there was this thing called COVID. And, you know, the next thing I knew on March 16th, we couldn't serve people in the dining room anymore. And the world stopped and everybody, everybody lived through that. We all lived through that. And I cried a lot because we had just finally started to turn the corner. I had just started paying myself after two year, two and a half years of, of, you know, hard work. Um, and we had just profited something. I had just reinvested and taken a loan for another, you know, couple hundred thousand dollars to do the expansion, um, because the, the money was coming in and who could have ever predicted what was going to happen. And, I cried a lot and I said, you know what? Nobody's going to fix this for me. All I can do is, is everybody get on, get on my back. Let's go. And I didn't want to lose any of our employees. I felt very responsible for their families and to provide food for their families with their paychecks. And, um, and so we figured out a way to make sales happen. And by the grace of God, all of a sudden, the government started to say, well, we don't want the economy to fold. So we're going to do PPP. And then we don't want all of these businesses to be impacted. So we're going to put idle loans in place. And uh, that was really the changing tide for me at the moment where I decided, you know what, failure really wasn't an option, Mm -hmm. you know, and I've always used that saying in my entire life, but I've never been up against um, I've never been up against that moment where I felt powerless. And on March 16th, I felt powerless. Um, I felt powerless and, and it was a hard process, but that was really, that was the day that changed me. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. So I know as I think back to it now and I'm like, gosh, that's been, that's been three years ago. Where did the time go? You know, uh, it's crazy. It's just crazy. It is just such a powerful, um, you know, I I've said this a lot and I don't say it to be dismissive and I don't um, say it to be disrespectful or unempathetic because I know many, many people lost people and suffered. I am one of them because of COVID, having COVID. It has taken my own personal health journey into a whole new perspective. So I have a, I say this because I have deep, deep like awareness mm-hmm. and for some of us, it was a gift. Yeah. And I can even say that even through all of my suffering that I have gone through physically mm-hmm. the past three years, it was a gift for me. This, yeah, that, that moment when everything had to stop, it did become a, what do I really want here? Yeah. And you prioritize the things that became super important. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And and I will say this as hard as it was, it was also a gift for me mm-hmm. because, you know, it's it, in, in, I'm going to reference happy pocketful money. Again, there's a proverb in the book um, that says, is it good or is it bad? Mm. Because we never know whether it's good or bad. Right. So, you know, the proverb has, has several different storylines, but the bottom line is, is that there's, there's a farmer and something happens to him and his neighbor says, oh, I feel bad for you. And then he says, well, is it good or is it bad? And something else happens. And he says, I feel good for you. And he's like, well, is it good or is it bad? And, and it's true. COVID was, COVID was honestly looking back at it now. And I get like Jill's talking about it, looking back at it now, it was a, it was actually a blessing. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a blessing for, for us in our journey. Um, You know, the restaurant is thriving again today. But, um, you know, it really was a blessing because it really brought us all what is important. Yeah. What is important. There's, I mean, there's a, there's a teaching in yoga and I also then teach it in masterclass and I teach it to a lot of my students, which is anything good becomes bad and anything bad can become even worse if you wanted to and (laughs) and or and or that was just a funny little side note and anything bad can be can be good um we can get super attached and the 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 lesson is like if you have status right like you're a ceo and you have all this money you get attached to that right and that's how you find relevance and connection and all these things and the moment it goes away who are you without it? So then that right. good thing become, becomes bad. And then in this instance, something bad turned into something good. Right. Yeah. And it, yeah. and it always can be, it's always the both. And because we, we get to choose ultimately at the end of the yeah. day, how we think about it and um, what, well, and, and so then what we do with it. So you, you, had a, f- a couple of rough years in your initial start as a franchisee owner, uh, restaurateur, entrepreneur. Yeah. We're starting to see the light and then the world kind of came into an interesting place. Mm-hmm. And the, the grace of 
the universe brought us, you know, relief funds. Mm -hmm. And you had this really deep why, which was, I need to keep these people, their paychecks going, which you're one of two um, CEOs that I have met in the past couple of years who that was their primary focus was making sure that they're, and I'm sure there's more out there. I'm just saying just me personally, right. Um, That that became their driver was like, no, I need to make sure that these people have paychecks and they can take care of their families. And that became this mission. And so um, let's talk a little bit about your, you know, your mission. So I'll say this, um, you know, I, in my lifetime have never, and I spoke about it earlier, I've never wanted for money. Mm-hmm. I've always found it whenever I've, whenever I've needed to, I've always been able to work for it. It's a resource for me that has always been in some type of supply, right? And it's all relative compared to what other people want to have. And um, because I feel like that's a resource I've always been able to come up with, there are people out there where it is a resource that eludes them until forever. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of my mission is helping people to feel empowered and find it on their own Mm -hmm. Um, and taking what they're given and what, and what talents and skill sets they have and being able to monetize it and saying, okay, now that I've monetized it, how do I actually um, utilize it well for myself and for my family and for my community? Um, And so kind of my mission is to help other people to do that you know, and, and help them see those things through. And that's what, uh, that's what makes me get up every morning. Now I have, um, another business in which, and you alluded to it a little bit earlier, another business in which I help people with their cash flow management. And we have business strategy conversations as well, um, that have to do with things they can do to help their business to be more profitable and generate money and, and not be taken advantage of, uh, by other, um, people. And, um, so that's my, my mission, my mission these days is to make sure I'm helping everybody I can possibly help. So speaking of these days, where are you with the restaurant? And, um, you mentioned you have this beautiful business and we'll most likely, actually, I know we will spend episode, the next episode talking and digging in more to this, but where are you today? with your business and at what point did you um, start pursuing this other business to help men and women get in alignment with their money? So I, um, you know, it's interesting in the process of all of the COVID and the restaurant and all of that, um, the, about six months prior to that, I had um, hired a, a, general manager. I knew when I opened the restaurant, I never wanted to create a job for myself. I wanted to create a job for 30 other people. And so my goal was always to find someone to take the ship over and kind of steer the ship. And so along the lines of having that uh, responsibility to my employees, when everything happened, I also felt responsible to continue to grow people within the restaurant and the leadership chain. So, um, Given the fact that I knew at some point in time I was getting jobs for other people, it was my job to grow those other folks. So I put a lot of time, attention, and focus in the last three and a half years into developing the team that that now manages and, and leads the restaurant business. Um, and because 
I want them to have sustainable careers that they can, that they can utilize going forward. So in doing that, I kind of lost myself for a little bit. Um, and I, you know, Marsha, we, we met at a funny time in my life. I was, I was, you know, owning the restaurants and then also doing a bookkeeping job for somebody else. Right. And, and look at, I know I look at you and it's so funny. So, you know, when we first met, I was, I was, you know, helping them by working 20 hours a week in their business as a part-time employee. And then, um, and then I kind of decided, hey, I why am I not doing this for more people, right? And I was so time caught that I decided to to go into business and start Valkyrie because because of that. Um, so it's funny you asked me that question, and I oftentimes forget about that short period in my life where I went backwards and did that um, to to further the the skill set to open Valkyrie. So sometimes we have to take a step back to go forward, though, right? Isn't that the yeah. journey? Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it is remarkable. Um, just as we wrap up this conversation for today, just to think about where you were when I met you, where I was mm-hmm. when I met you, yeah, and the different um, places that we show up now, yet we're still the same. And that's the thing that I think is super cool about um, just how we've allowed ourselves to be always true to who we are. And I think, you know, and we probably will get there a little bit more, but, you know, one of the things that you noted was that you um, never had a strong connection to self, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And that tying into the money. So for me, like knowing you, you probably, you may or may not be able to say the same thing about me, but you've always just been you. So at some point that sense of who you are settled in and then it was just all this external navigation of staying on track with it. Yeah. It's funny. It's um, the, the, who I am, I think is, has always been there to your point. Yeah. Um, But the belief in what I could Mm. accomplish as who I was, was not there. Yeah. 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 So that's definitely something that that's definitely something that you've helped me with over over the years and something that, you know, I I still struggle with to a little bit of degree on a daily basis. Um, But uh, I definitely have you to thank for helping me to help me uncover a lot of that over the last couple of years. So, yeah. Yeah. So time's up for today. This has been a great conversation. I've loved I've taken a million notes and I'm so excited Um, so guys stay tuned. There's more to come with Angela. We're probably gonna, not probably, but we're going to dig into how she came across this thing called profit first, what it can do for you and your business. And, um, I think we're going to dig in a little bit more to this idea around belief as well. So Mm -hmm. thanks for being here with me today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. Talk to you guys soon. Stay crazy out there.